Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I am with Sandy Lindsay, the chair at Tangerine Group, one of UK's leading integrated communication consultancies that she founded in 2000. Sandy is also the non-executive director of the Rugby Football League. Hello, Sandy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. A pleasure. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How, you know, did you become an entrepreneur? It was not something I was ever going to be. I was never going to be a business person. Not a chance. My family doesn't do that sort of thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We know our place. Um, But I was working at a very large PR company with 10 offices across the UK and Ireland. And I started to get that Sunday evening stomachache. I don't know if you've ever had that. Mm. that feeling of oh I don't want to go to work tomorrow yeah and it came down to the fact that we'd been bought it was a great place to work and we got bought by VC and Mm. the company changed overnight um, into from being a great place to work to being a pretty horrible place to work and so I uh, when I raised an objection to that I was told the problem with me was I had too strong a moral streak Mm. Mm. so um I was then offered redundancy and right. all of my friends and family were saying this is fantastic you can start your own business use your redundancy money and go out and do it yourself and I was like no way why would I ever do something that stupid I actually quite like sleeping at night <laughs> um but the more people tell you you can do something coupled with this hideous moral streak I've just discovered in myself yeah. I started to think well maybe the only thing I can do is start my own business and prove it is possible to run a business that is both ethical and profitable. You don't have to chase the money, which is what that company was doing. It was all about the bottom line. I believed then and still now, 20 years later, you do great work, you treat people properly and the bottom line, the money will naturally follow. Mm. And that was why I decided to start my own business. Beautiful. I love it because I've been hammering it for many times now and all the discussions I've had with entrepreneurs, none of them have told me that they've done it for the money Mm. because they understand, they understand that the money is just a a means to an end and they're doing, they do it for something else for maybe a calling. Maybe entrepreneurship is a, is a calling. Maybe you didn't know that you had that in within you. No, I certainly didn't. Uh, As I say, I was never going to, I was never going to start my own business. Um, And I was always wanting to change the world. I'm, I'm a bit mm. of a fixer. Um, I, I do um, 
if I see injustice or something that is broken, I'd always try to fix it. I'm, I'm a bit of a busybody. Uh, so, you know, now, as, as well as the two jobs you mentioned, I also uh, started a social media, social media uh, apprenticeship programme because there was lots of uh, skills gaps and lots of kids needing work. So that mm. was that's called the Juice Academy. So I started that in 2013 and that's not for profit. Um, I'm also trustee of a couple of charities and I'm on several boards and it's all about basically trying to fix things, trying to make things that little bit better if I can. <laughs> yes, yes. And so let's talk let's talk about that. You mentioned the um, the ethical aspect that was mm. really important for you. So how do you run a business that is ethical? Oh, crikey. How long have you got? Uh, I don't oh, 35 minutes. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we're going to do it in that time. It's it, it actually, to be honest, it is quite straightforward. You just tell the truth. You just do the right things for the right reasons. And sometimes um, when you get tempted by the, the filthy lucre, uh, you, you don't let it happen. You, you say, no, I have my principles. I have my values. And our values aren't about, you know, the ozone layer or anything lofty. They are literally about honesty courtesy and respect they are we treat people properly and we expect to be treated properly in return and it is as simple as that and I think if you work with that at the core of your business I honestly don't see how you can you can go wrong really Hmm. but it seems so simple so why is it such an issue that I have the impression that a lot of people don't do it because it would be easier sometimes to to follow the money. You know, when mm. we have had quite large clients in the past um, treating our, our team badly, uh, most agencies, if I'm honest, would let that happen. Uh, maybe not as much nowadays, but certainly in, in the day when I started out the business. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're paying you money. They can treat you any way they like. No, <laughs> no, I don't agree with that. You know, they are people. We're people. They're a business. We're a business. And in, in every respect, I believe we're equal. So if, mm. if they if they treat us with respect, we treat them with respect. We do great work for them. Their business will flourish. They pay us. Our business flourish. It's a very, very easy equation as far as I'm concerned. But it's also very easy to let it go the other way. And I have seen it quite a lot where um, big companies, big clients, because they are spending a lot of money with an agency, feel for whatever reason that they can act in that way and and we just don't let it happen uh, it's not to say we're all loving and cuddling our clients certainly not nowadays obviously but sure. you know obviously we have falling out it's the same as everybody else but we we do not believe that because somebody's paying us a lot of money and some of our clients do pay us a lot of money that means that they can treat us any way they wish we believe in true partnership and we're very very lucky in that we can pick and choose the people that we work with and, and they have the same values as us Mm. and so basically what you're saying is treat people the way that you would like to be treated yourself quite right (laughs) (laughs) yes and why wouldn't you do that i mean why on earth would you think that that you you had the right to do anything other than that i think that was the way i was raised so it's difficult for me to act in any other way yes yes and do you think this is one of the reasons of uh why your business has been successful i mean you created it like what 21 years ago it was actually 2002 we launched so okay. it will be 20 in uh, next year which is crazy it feels about mm. like about three or four years ago uh but yes i i do think that is one of the reasons it's been successful we, you know we 
we recruit the best people, we keep the best people, we work with the best clients. And it's all because of this mutual partnership of people working together and, and, and wanting the best for everybody, not just for themselves. Um, I think if you're myopic about the success, you can't achieve success. I've always believed that. Uh, for me, success is about sharing um, the, the good times and the bad times and everybody working together. We sound incredibly Pollyanna. I understand that, um, but, it, but it works. Um, and that's the reason that when I decided that I was going to start stepping away from the day-to-day -day running of the business, I always knew I would never sell it on the open market and why I decided to put it into employee ownership, which we did. Uh, in 2017 when the business turned 15. So that, this is interesting um, that you stepped away from uh, from the business and now you're acting as a chair. How did that happen? When did you realize that it was time to move on? I think that after a certain number, well, for me anyway, and I have spoken to other business people who say the same, after a certain number of years of managing clients, managing teams, and uh, you, you get to the point where you just feel like you've done it all and you know you've you've um you see the same things coming round and you and you start to get a little bit jaded with it and i think that's a dangerous place to be when you're in the deep the tall grass with people so mm. it's much better in my opinion when when you start feeling like that to step back and say right let's get somebody else in that's fresh with fresh ideas and we employed two managing directors mary and sam uh, about 10 years ago um in in succession planning terms so that we I knew that by that time I'd have, I'd have had enough of the day-to-day -day and and I, I would have wanted to put somebody new in and that's why we employed Sam and Mary uh, I had a boss in my first PR agency who was bored and bitter and he missed his chance to sell and he you could tell you know everybody could tell he was bored and he didn't want to be there I I swore I would never be that person Right. So I, you know, I acted ahead of that curve so that getting the two MDs in and then planning for an exit that meant that the business values would continue was was a long plan. It wasn't something that happened overnight. We, we it was something we talked about me and my business partner for many years. Right. Can, can you uh, give us a bit more detail about that uh, exit plan that you had? Because like you said, it's it's it has to be a long, a long process. Yeah, so the employee ownership, it's basically where we put 64% of the shares into a trust that mm. is owned by uh, the people now. So if you are an employee at Tangerine and you pass your probationary period, you become a partner in the business. It's a bit like the John Lewis model. Um, right. So it's not that you get a bit of paper that says how many shares you have. Everybody is a partner in the business and everybody has a share of voice and a share of profit at the end of the, uh, of the year. So it is literally 64, two thirds of the business belongs to the people. Uh, and I kept a little bit for myself because I love it still. And, you know, it's my kind of business. So mm -hmm. um, there was nothing um, transactional about that. It was quite emotional, if I'm honest about it. Most people who do employee ownership tend to put 100% of the shares in, but I didn't want to. I wanted to keep a little bit for me. It's very nice of you. That goes back to running uh, what you were talking about, running an ethical business, right? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We we've had money for for the business. It's, mm. We haven't given we haven't given it into the trust. The the trust has, has purchased the shares from us. Um, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but um, the employee ownership is a really good way for people who want their business to continue the way it started 
to exit a business and actually get value from from their business without putting it onto the open market and having that risk of uh, it being changed or killed, as I've seen so many times, especially in the creative industry sector. Yeah. And was it difficult for you to let go, like being, you know, on a, um, so much present as a CEO in your on a day-to-day uh, basis and moving into that position, external, more external position as a chair? Was, it, was that difficult to let go? Well, my business partner is very clever. Uh, she's been with me right from the start and she knows me really well. And she knows that I'm always coming up with ideas and I'm always thinking, oh, we could do this or we could do that. And, mm. and she's always been very good at saying, yes, that's a great idea, but let's get this thing done right over here first. And then we can look <laughs> at that, i.e. stop spending money, Sandra, please. Um, and when Sam and Mary came on board, the two MDs, so at that time they were, they were the uh, B2B MD and a consumer MD, um, she knew that if I didn't have something else to focus on, I, I might kind of still keep involved and keep coming up with ideas and, and you know, being a bit in the way. So I, at that time, had the idea of the Juice Academy because I saw a huge gap uh, right. in skills in the market because we'd bought a digital agency and couldn't staff it, basically. And everybody was saying the same. So I took a plan to Sarah to say, look, I've got this idea to start an apprenticeship program. And as normally she would say, well, you know, maybe in the future, she said, yeah, great idea, do it. And I was like, hey, what? And basically <laughs> what it was, she she knew that if I was focusing, focusing on this new shiny venture, I would get out of the way of Sam and Mary and let them run Tangerine. Yeah. Uh, but I was I would still be in the background if they, if and when they needed me and I would still be there for them. Uh, but I wouldn't be I'd be I'd be focusing on this new thing. So it was very clever, actually. And, and it was um, it meant that. It was definitely needed, but also I was definitely needed to get out of the way. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's keep her busy doing something yes, else. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting your, the partnership that you that you have um, with, with with your business partner. It, would you say this is another reason for for the success of Tangerine Group? One hundred percent. I've always said that if it wasn't for Sarah, Tangerine would be the smallest, noisiest. PR company that never made any money basically because um I was always the one that you know the gob basically I was the the noise and the and the ideas and, and Sarah was the one who literally made it work behind the scenes uh perfect partnership in that she didn't want any of the noise or the glory she just wanted she, she loved the people side of things she loved the client side of things she was exceptionally good at the day-to-day um whereas I was just let's do this and let's do that and all oh, that we want a new piece of business and she made it work behind the scenes um and you know one of the first pieces of advice i always give to people starting a business is it's all about the people that mm. you employ you know always always employ the best people you can afford because i what i see a lot is that people start a business and then the first person they employ is somebody relatively junior because they're cheap and they get you know they want something to do the day-to-day and i get that but with sarah um and they and then they also say oh it's lonely at the top well, yeah. it's lonely because you're at the top on your own whereas with Sarah when she joined she was literally my number two and we were aboard straight away mm. um, so I've never felt that it was lonely at the top because I've always had Sarah there so um, I've, you know first piece of business advice I was given was always employ the most expensive people you can afford um, and I and I totally believe in that um, because people the, the best people will pay you back very very quickly do you remember the first employee you you hired? That was Sarah. That was Sarah. 
Yeah. 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 My business part. Well, she, she started as an employee, um, as an account director. Uh, and I said to her, if you, um, if, if everything works out really well, I'll give you 5% of the business. And then mm. I ended up giving her 10% of the business because she was so good. Um, and then she bought another 4% later on. So she, she has been with me since literally the, fir- the first month she was with me. So I started the business. She joined a month and a day in. Um, mm. And then we, we, we grew from there. Right. And so who was the, then the, the employee after that? Do you remember? The next employee was Lulu. She was an intern. She was fantastic. And yeah. then we got another senior person. And then we kind of grew like everybody else with, you know, some some junior and some senior. I think by about our, by the end of the second year, I think we're about eight people, something like that. I can't remember, to be honest. It's so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you must have hundreds of stories to tell. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. I, you know, I've really enjoyed being a business person. I would never have thought it. I actually enjoy being a business person more than I enjoyed being a PR person. It's, it's really interesting. It's really um, rewarding. Mm. um and you learn I get bored very quickly and I love learning new things and so you can't you never stop learning that's another piece of advice I give you know make sure you're always learning because if you get complacent it's you know it's the route to death basically you you have to keep pushing forward and trying new things and uh, and breaking things and getting things wrong I've got a lot wrong over the years a hell of a lot wrong and there's nothing wrong with that I think you learn more from failing than you do from succeeding um, you know, so you have to take risks. No, if you, you don't have to grow. I mean, this is the other thing I say to people. Don't let people tell you that if you're a two-man band and you've always been a two-man band, you're a failure. That's rubbish. Even if you're a one-man band, if that's what you want, then it's your business. You can do what you want. Um, but if you want to grow, um, you have to take risks. You have to try things, and they're, all, they're not all going to work. Um, and that's absolutely fine. Do you remember one of the biggest mistakes you've made? Oh God, loads. We have, we started a London office, uh, lasted a year, that closed. We started an events offer. We started a public affairs offer just as the public sector ran out of money. Mm. Um, we start, we've done all Good timing. Sorts. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing, perfect timing. Uh, we've done loads. But the thing is, that's, that's the point. You, you, you try these things and don't let them put you off. And I used to think that mm. it was embarrassing failing and people would be looking they don't care people are not looking at you they're, they're focusing on their own lives and rightly so you know so you, you need to keep trying new things and they're not all going to work um you know some of the things I've done that have worked like the juice academy was a shock you know because so much failed but that's again that's fine I think the, I love social media but the one downside of it is we live in these Instagram lives and Everybody thinks everybody else's life is perfect. Yeah. And other people don't make mistakes. Look at my amazing business. Look at my amazing life. Look at my amazing husband. Look at my beautiful, clean, bouncing baby. That's not true. That Nobody's life is like that. Um, and so that's why I talk a lot about failing, because mm. I think people need to understand that, that people do get things wrong. I actually lecture at university about failing. That's how good I am at it. Really? <laughs> So, you know, it, like a complete lecture on failing, a complete course yes. on failing. Wow. Yes. Well, not a course, just a lecture, just, yeah, just a half an hour, hour lecture with Q&A, just a bit of fun, basically. But yeah, it is important to fail because if you don't ever try anything, you're never going to succeed. And also to create a culture in the business that it's OK to fail as well. 
Because mm. again, if, if you don't, there's several things will happen. Either people will get risk averse and nothing will happen, or they'll try things and then they'll hide it if they make a mistake, which is fatal. And if you hide something when you make a mistake, you'll do it again and other people will make the same mistake. Just, you know, that's rubbish. It, it, it's fine to fail. It's fine to get things wrong. wrong. Just chat about it and learn from it and move on. And you were talking earlier on about the importance of learning for you mm, and mm. being an entrepreneur for so many years. How has it, how has entrepreneurship impacted you personally? And what have you learned about yourself? I think, oh gosh, that's a, that's a challenging question. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've learned that I'm, stronger than I thought I was as a person I was quite mm. a worry wart as my mom used to call me um, when I was young I used to take everything really seriously and if something went wrong uh, I would I would get really upset and I'd beat myself up and I'd lie awake at night worrying about it um, and I think I've learned over the years that you don't have to do that and and again from listening to people and, and talking to people and learning that they get things wrong as well and bachelor's getting things wrong <laughs> again sorry um but it, yeah I'm, I'm a lot stronger than i thought i was as a person and um when i took on my first non-exec role i had a bit of a um imposter syndrome yeah yes imposter syndrome yeah because uh, because the people that said to me uh, you know that I, I spoke to call the headhunters to pick their brains and I said you know I'm thinking about doing it and they said oh well what would it be you know would it be in PR so oh, god no I haven't done PR for 10 years and they said all oh, right would it be you know in systems and processes I said oh god no that's Sarah I don't do and they were like well what is it then and I was like I don't know I don't <laughs> I don't know what it is actually and I went away thinking oh my god what is it that I do um And basically, I think what it, what I do is people. Um, I'm, I'm mm. really, I love people. I love being around people. I love learning from people. And I'm quite good at making things happen. Um, I think on my tombstone, it would say she got shit done. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. not shit done, maybe she made shit happen because I don't tend to do the do, um, as Sarah will tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she made shit happen. And, and that's what I love. I love, as I mentioned earlier, seeing a problem. It might be with the sector, it might be with the business, or it might be in, in society and, and trying to fix it. Um, mm. You know, this apprenticeship thing that I'm involved with, I'm also incredibly passionate about making sure that a child's postcode doesn't affect their future and very very much in this country it, it does tend to do I, I grew up on a very bad council estate went to a very bad school but I had brilliant parents so I was very lucky but not mm. most kids don't have that so I've been doing an awful lot with various bodies and 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 groups to try and make sure that we can improve the lives of young people and make sure that their futures are better than they could have been so it's all about I, I love changing things and, and fixing things right and so keep uh, working with uh, young people is, is really important for you yeah I, I've, I've loved the juice academy I think we've put about 400 kids through the juice academy since it started um, so you know they've started off it, it, with no confidence well not necessarily no confidence but wide-eyed and thinking what what am I doing and And you see them graduate at the end of it. And back in the day when we could, we used to do proper caps and gowns, graduation ceremonies for them, even though it was mm. an apprenticeship. Because we think, well, they've worked really hard. We need to celebrate their, their success. And you see them growing confidence and come out the other end full digital marketing professionals. And it's so rewarding. And 
you know, some of their parents have come to us on graduation days and said, you know, when when he started on the apprenticeship, he wouldn't come out of his bedroom. He was really underconfident. We were really worried about him. And and now he's just done. He was chosen as the class elected president to give the speech at the graduation ceremony. I can't believe it. You know, and for me, there's nothing more rewarding than that. Nice. What are you uh, the most proud of? I think the Juice Academy is is the thing, the single mm. thing I'm most proud of because it started as absolutely nothing and it started as just an idea. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. I mean, no other creative agency had ever done an apprenticeship program before. Um, but I was able to go out to my network and say, help. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Can anybody help? And <laughs> as often happens in Manchester, people piled in and went, what do you need? And so we got the first one up and running. So we started in the April and we got the first cohort by the June which I'm told I didn't know this but I'm told that's unbelievable apparently it normally takes about two years to start an apprenticeship we did it in about three months mm. um, and it, it's absolutely blossomed and I'm so proud of it and I'll meet people that have been on it back you know seven eight years ago and they'll say now they're heading up their own team or they've got their own business and um, it's it's amazing to think that we've had a hand in that. Is there anything that you have, you would have done differently you know what I know this sounds trite but but there isn't really I, I, as I say I, I have got things wrong but I don't think that's a problem um, mm. I've been surrounded by brilliant people I mean there's probably a lot of people I wouldn't have employed but that's <laughs> in most businesses I'm sure um, that is one of the things I've got wrong over the years because I always try not to employ mini me's and I try and employ people that are different but sometimes we've employed people that are too different right um, and um, so that's one of the reasons I get I've, I also do a bit, little bit of tech investing um, and one of the companies I've invested in is a company called Your Flock Uh, and what they do is they, they analyze a company's culture mm. um, and, um, and then they uh, look at what the company thinks the culture is versus what the people in the company think the culture is and where the gaps are. But then they can also help you recruit against that culture um, so that you can double check if people's values. It do, you still need different people in the business, lots of different people for different skills and uh, opinions. But you need their, in my opinion, you need their value, their values to be the same. And that's why I thought that was such a good app. Um, so uh, obviously we've we've used that at Tangerine. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I think that's um, that that's important to me that that um, people share the same values. And whenever anybody joins Tangerine, I still meet with them as quickly as possible and t tell them the story of why Tangerine started and how it's different to other businesses in the way it started and the reasons it started uh, because it's so important. Now we're sort of 85 people apparently by the end of the year we're going to be 98 people which is wow. absolutely bonkers uh i said 15 people tops when i started <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah that worked <laughs> good call there's, no, there's another failure <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i can't i can't see everybody now especially at the moment obviously they're all working from home but even when they're in the office i, I can't see what they're doing and it's impossible so people have to buy into the culture so that they can help make sure that it stays the same and evolves obviously but the values are honesty courtesy respect still stay through everything that we do mm. yeah you you mentioned uh, the, the the importance of values at the beginning of a, of a conversation and and now again but how do you check that you know potential employee someone who you don't know 
has the same values? Um, well, with this your flock thing, that, that was one of the things yeah. uh, that, you, that you can do. Uh, but also we've over the years, we've had lots of training in interview techniques, because I think people think an interview is something you can just do. It's not. Interviewing is very, very difficult. And it's so important to be trained professionally in it. Else you've got the unconscious bias. You've got all these things going on. So we've done a lot of work with that. Um, and then in terms of how do we make sure the values stay within the business? Oh, how long, again, how long have you got? We, we do, <laughs> everybody has um, mentors, everybody has buddies, everybody has um, a tangiversary, sort of an annual, well, when we can, lunch with a senior member of staff, not talk about them, but talking about the business and how it's working for them. We have a partnership board that's elected by everybody that meets with, my business partner, Sarah, uh, once a month, that people can report concerns to anonymously, all sorts of anonymous ways that people can flag things, good and bad. Mm. Um, it's just a constant thing. It's not something you can do, I'm afraid. It's not a toolkit. It's a, you have to constantly be, be listening and probing and obviously basic things like exit interviews. Um, but I, it annoys me if we get to an exit interview and get to learn something new because we shouldn't have got to that stage. Uh, right. We really do encourage people to, to speak up. You know, we say to them, look, we're good, but we're not psychic. If you don't tell us things, we won't know them. So especially with so many people. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole barrage of, uh, you know, staff engagement is, is a, a massive uh, job. And we've just actually employed um, an HR person. Would you believe our first HR person? Wow. <laughs> we've done it we believe in doing it everybody doing it uh but i think at this size now we've just said right we need a, a real pro to come in and help us and we're really excited for her to join us if i had the ability to grant you one wish today yeah. and you could change you could change one thing and only one thing what what would it be i'd lose two stone <laughs> but still be able to eat chocolate would that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean in the business, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this podcast is about entrepreneurship. <laughs> right. Okay. Forgot about that. I think I'd probably, you know, this is a strange one, but I'd, I'd probably give people more confidence because I think we do try to do this and, you know, we, we do a lot of things to help with this, but I still find that some people lack confidence it's I don't know if it's a sectoral thing I know it's, mm. it used to be very much a PR thing because um, PR people didn't get trained how to be managers so some PR people had had some very very bad managers over the years so we used to have to fix them when they came to Tangerine and what we found and I found personally over the years of being employed and running my own business the people who were the least confident are the ones that can sometimes do the most damage Right. Um, because they're, I don't know if it's because they're trying to prove themselves and they do that in a bad way. I don't know. But if we, if we could find a way to give everybody that we work with more confidence and more self-belief, not to the point of arrogance, we don't want to go that far, but I think there's something very rewarding about somebody blossoming in confidence um, and self-belief that, that makes everybody around them breathe easier. I'm, 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 I'm listening to you and I'm taking that also for myself because... I'm not the I'm not the best at self-confidence myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah it's it takes time and I do think it's often an age thing as well as the you know the older I've got the happier I've got mm. because I know myself better and I understand that this thing I'm worrying about today I won't even remember next week yeah um and and I've learned that but you can only learn that yourself over the years of the hard knocks and the and the recoveries you, you can't be given that sadly I do try and when we when we get a new cohort of apprentices in, I do my top ten things I wish I'd known when I was starting my career, mm. uh, and I do try and deposit some of that learning on them. But again, sometimes some of that learning has to be earned, not learned. Sadly, uh, in life. Very true. So, talking about the top ten things, let's just let's just summarize into one thing, one practical recommendation that you would give to entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? It does come back to the people thing. Always surround yourself with brilliant people and then let them do their job. And if you do that, I genuinely believe you cannot go wrong. Your business will absolutely flourish as mine has done. I'm so mm. proud of the people I've, been, I've met over the years and worked alongside and learned from. Um, and I've always had that belief, even when sometimes we couldn't afford a person that we had our eye on. We've just gone for it. Mm. Um, and they've, they've, you know, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, they, they've, they've paid us back. Nice. And so people, I, I believe, were looking at you for their inspiration because you, you, you're the CEO. But where, where do you find your own inspiration, you know? Again, I surround myself with great people as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm very lucky, and I genuinely enjoy being around people. So I do. I, when I used to do a lot of networking, and I've met people over the years, and I kind of collect people around me. Um, and so I've got people, uh, friends or contacts who I can go to and say, "I'm feeling a bit down. This has happened," and or oh, "I've got this wrong," or. And I've got people who will build me back up and say, you're wonderful, you're gorgeous, don't worry about it, darling. And I've also got people who are saying, you've been a bit of a dick, to be honest. <laughs> so you need to get over yourself. And I know which of those people to go to in, 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 you know, in terms of what sort of feedback I need. So, um, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's really important. If, you know, if, if people don't have a mentor, I would recommend them getting a mentor. I, I, you know, I've got a few mentors I've built up over the years. I've mentored a few people over the years. And um, it, it's just so important. Um, and also I've been a member of various business groups like the Northwest mm. Business Leadership Team and exceptionally good people. Um, and, and they do like this state of the nation talk and, and, and you learn so much from these brilliant people. And what I've learned again, you know, my business is tiny compared to theirs. These are people who run huge businesses like Siemens and Peel. And, mm. um, and, and actually what I've learned is, is that they're just additional zeros. They have all the same business challenges, all the same aspirations. They just have additional zeros on their bottom line. Um, and so, I, you know, at first, again, I also had the imposter syndrome there, but I learned over the years it's, it's the same. Running a small business is actually the same as running a big business. It's just there's just more of it. Yeah. Um, so I've been very lucky in that I've had a lot of people around me that I can learn from and, you know, directly in terms of speeches and presentations, but also just by osmosis and hearing how they manage things. My show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? 
think I probably have. But <laughs> I would never ever um, stop learning. It, you know, because business changes all the time, especially in our sector, it's constantly evolving. So, yes and no. There you go. That's a rubbish answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question: How can people contact you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, both under my name, Sandy Lindsay. So I'd love to hear from people. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Sandy, for your time today. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Me too. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, two things you can do if you like my podcast. Subscribe and go on my website and get my ebook, Five Cracks to Do Entrepreneurship the Right Way. See you next time. Bye-bye.